Hey everyone, thanks so much for checking out season two of the Badass Podcast. Just wanted to give you guys all a heads up. July is going to be a very uh, busy month for us here because we've got uh, Curse of the White Knight, which is volume two of Sean's Batman book, is going to be debuting, as well as a Kickstarter for a book I'm going to be doing called Bloody Hell. And uh, as that gets closer to coming out, you'll get more information. So thanks so much and enjoy the show. series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> My name is Clay McCormick and with me is Sean Murphy. And uh, yeah, we're back. We're going to be covering two episodes tonight, Night of the Ninja and ah. Cat Scratch Fever. Mm. So uh, yeah, let's jump right into Night of the Ninja. Where do you get these uh, summaries from? Wikipedia? Yes. Okay. Have you, I, have you read this before? Or I have not. So it might be bad. It might be. Okay. It, if you've listened to the show before, <laughs> sometimes they're bad. <laughs> um, in Night of the Ninja, a mysterious ninja is robbing Wayne Enterprises' subsidiaries, and Batman discovers that the ninja is actually his equal in combat. A grudge against Bruce Wayne and skill... It's, it's not good. <laughs> You can see your a, face. A grudge against Bat, a grudge against Bruce Wayne and skills to match him can only mean one person, Kaidai Ken, an old rival of Wayne's teacher from his days in Japan, right. and who was thrown out of the dojo after attempting to rob it, only to be stopped by Wayne. Holy run-on sentence, Batman. <laughs> okay. Ken, it turns out, wants revenge. This one is directed by uh, Kevin Altieri and written by Steve Perry. Mm. Um, yeah, you know... Generally, Batman plus ninjas is something that I would enjoy. Yeah, but I did not really care for this. <laughs> I I like it, um, but I the, this is going to go into two more episodes, or at least at least one more episode where it's better. So this thread this guy comes back. Yeah, oh, this thread I, I is pretty that. good, yeah. but this might not be the best one yet. But uh, tell me why you didn't like it. I it just it it falls into that category of a. A villain that I don't know, yeah. so I don't care about. Oh, yeah, that whole thing. Um, and B, it's really thin. Yeah. Like, it, especially compared to... I didn't love Cat Scratch Fever either, mm-hmm. but that has so much going on, like action-wise and a lot of movement and stuff. Really? Whereas the the story in this one is just kind of, this guy shows up and he realizes it's his buddy, mm-hmm. and then they fight at the end. And that was kind of it. So I... Uh... When I look watch these, I'll go through websites and find different reviews just to sort of jog my memory because I find that I've seen these so much I can't be critically fair. Yeah. And uh, I found one on Tor.com that said that they liked this episode. They thought it was probably a top 10 that no one ever puts in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And the reason they like it, especially compared to Cat Scratch Fever, is because <laughs> this one, it moved the Batman-Robin relationship forward in a way yeah. that few episodes do. 
Um, you have Batman afraid of a villain yeah. for once. Like he's never intimidated by an adversary, but this time he is. Uh, it's cool that you get the um, interesting flashbacks of him as a younger man, kind of going through his training or whatever. Um, Kyoto Ken is a little bit of um, uh, archetype type. I mean, just yeah. sort of run of the mill. Uh, the actually, reviewer actually suggested that maybe Christopher Nolan got the idea for his version of Rachel Ghoul from this character. Oh, interesting. I have okay. a hard time believing Chris Nolan watched this cartoon for preparation for that. For hey, movie, he was though. a kid too once. Just <laughs> not when this was on. A very serious child. A very serious child. Yes. <laughs> Who yeah. wore the same thing every day. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. I actually, I liked the Robin stuff. Um, yeah. Although it was... It, it was a little bit more forced to me than it was in Robin's Reckoning because it was the same kind of thing where this thing pops up and Robin's like, let's go fight. Right. And Batman's like, no, this isn't for you. Right. Uh, but but it doesn't, there's not really a, a good reason to not bring Robin on this one. Well, so, yeah, if they made the reason that this guy's dangerous, he doesn't want Robin to get hurt. But that, then he would always be worried about Robin. Robin could always get hurt. Right. At this point in the series, he's been teaching Robin how how to be Robin, whatever, for nine years. And Bruce is facing this ninja who he can't, couldn't beat before. And he actually didn't beat him the first fight either. Right. And he was able to beat him the second fight. Um, they said that it's interesting to see Bruce try to protect Robin, but I didn't get that they were going for that. You know, like yeah. he didn't, I never found, felt a good reason for why he was not including Robin. Yeah. And also the only reason that he succeeds in beating this guy is because Robin shows up. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Like at every turn. Yeah. You know, on the roof, the first, the only reason he beats him is because Robin <laughs> hits him with the yeah. the the star or whatever or right. what he does. Um so yeah, it's kind of a a fairly unmotivated pushing away. Yeah. What was the guy's reason for even doing this? The the ninja guy? Yeah. What was his motivation? Ooh, uh, <laughs> oh, because he was driven to crime because he was kicked out of the dojo. Right. And then Batman was like, well, you were kicked out of the dojo because you were a criminal. Right. But why is he resurfaced? What is he, he's, why is he affecting Wayne Enterprises? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, it was that compelling. <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, what I did like, actually, I like, I, you know, I didn't hate it. I thought there was cool stuff. I liked the Robin stuff, even though it wasn't super motivated. I also yeah. liked... Robin's oppression of Batman. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, uh, I also really liked that Batman inherently sees Ninja as criminal. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't respect them. No. Um, which, is, which is a nice touch. Which is, unlike Samurai... Yes. Uh, ninjas have no honor. Yes. Very, yeah. very wharf line there. Yes, it is. From Star yeah. Trek. Um, I uh, I liked Robin's impersonation of Bruce. Like, thanks for saving my butt, Robin. <laughs> it was nice to see those little bits. Um, I really loved when Bruce wasn't allowed to fight Kyodai Ken as Bruce Wayne because there's this reporter in the story. She's sniffing around into Bruce Wayne. She doesn't think he's Batman or anything, but she just is curious. So she's yeah. following him around looking for an interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows that he spent some time in Japan, and she ends up being tied up with Bruce with this ninja, just the three of them, and this ninja wants to fight Bruce, but she's there. She's tied up, but she's looking. So Bruce can't kick this guy's ass because she'll she'll know he's he's too awesome just to be Bruce Wayne. He's got yeah. to be Batman. Yeah. So Robin has the idea to like use the batarang to unravel the carpet, which covers her up, so then Bruce can reposture and then get down to some ass kicking. Yes. As a kid, I loved that. Yeah, that reminded me a lot of what they used to do all the time on the '66 Batman show. 
where Bruce Wayne would always end up in a situation like that, and yeah. he would have to a pretend he wasn't Batman, right? And b pre- figure out a way to fight his way out, but make it look like he's not Batman. So it was always he, you like that stuff. Though, I do. I yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so he'd always end up having to like bumble his way through a fight and just <laughs> yeah accidentally duck at the right point to yeah. have the other guy get hit in the face. <laughs> that stuff is fun. You know, I I I I really like it when they have a hard split between Bruce yeah. and Batman. And they actually do it in this. They have a little bit that I really liked where um, after they meet the uh, the ninja for the first time, they're driving back in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman doesn't thank Robin for helping him. <laughs> but uh, he's telling him what's going on. And then he says he studied with Bruce Wayne when Bruce Wayne was in Japan. Right. So he refers to, when he's Batman, he refers to Bruce Wayne in the third person. Right. Which I, th- I, I thought was a nice touch. So the episode uh, that follows this, not the one sequence, but the next Ninja episode, can I spoil it a little bit for you? Because uh, I, th- I sure. think you'll like this. Okay. Batman realizes that the Ninja knows who he is because when you're good at fighting, you can recognize somebody by their fighting style. Mm-hmm. And if Bruce beat him fighting, then if he fought Batman as well, the Ninja's going to know they're the same person. Yeah. So there's, I think there's like a blackmail twist to it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that. That, yeah, I thought, yeah. That, I, I dig that. I figured you would too. Yeah. Well, now, where are you on ninjas? It's funny. I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go first? <laughs> um, I, I, I think that they're a lot of fun uh, until they become. I think there's a sweet spot where you either have a couple ninja and it's cool, mm-hmm. or you have more ninja than anybody could possibly handle and it's cool. Right. But if there's just enough to be annoying, then it just kind of runs its course. Yeah. Like, for instance, uh, um, I didn't love... Did you watch Daredevil, the Netflix show? Uh, yeah. The second season, there's a shitload of ninja. Right. And I was gonna. I thought I was going to love it. Yeah. That was my least favorite part of the show, because yeah. they, they just kept showing up, and it's like, ugh, more ninja, you know. Yeah. It's when they... Used in like in the right sort of um, surgically isn't the word, but a good ninja placement is very very well received. <laughs> For instance, Last Samurai. Uh-huh. I had oh, no yeah. I had no idea there were going to be ninjas in that movie. Yeah, and when the ninjas showed up. Yeah. I actually turned to the person next to me and went, "There's ninjas in this movie." Yeah, yeah. Great ninja placement. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I've always liked ninjas. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's probably. I, I would be I would be interested to meet someone around our age who doesn't have a soft spot for ninjas. Right. Probably you could yeah. track it back to Ninja Turtles. Yeah. You know, for sure. Um, well, ninjas weren't really a thing until the mid '80s. If you watch yeah. that um, Canon Films documentary, mm-hmm. what's it called? L- Electric Boogaloo or something? Yes. Yeah. All right. So it's a documentary about these. This brothers who were directors in the 80s who would sell a movie based on the movie poster mm-hmm. and they are responsible for such gems as masters of the universe yeah um a lot of crappy movies that are ama- gloriously bad is a good way to describe yeah it. they made chuck norris a star basically <laughs> and um Thanks, i think in that documentary they said no one nearly knew what the ninja was until their movie yeah, something, th- something, ninja, something like that. Sure. Where around that time, yeah, is, it went from nobody American knew what it was. Ninja, probably. So that it, was definitely one of their movies. Yeah. So, so when I was watching Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and there's a line in there like, you know, smooth like a ninja, and that was 1984. Ninja hadn't permeated 1984. You would have to wait till 1986 or seven before Ninja became a thing. There's actually a lot of that stuff in that show. <laughs> I saw some, when it first came on. I saw someone complaining that. <laughs> They had a a, a a thing poster 
in their room yeah. and it just didn't track as yep. for when the thing came out or something. I right. can't remember exactly what it was. But. Yeah. Um, the song, The Clash, they play had mm-hmm. not come out in this country yet. Ah, interesting. It's a different version. Hey man, maybe he's a big Clash <laughs> fan and he got a, <laughs> he's a, so a, punk. a tape yeah, from yeah. overseas. Uh, there's also a grill on the uh, Volkswagen that someone drives. It's the wrong color grill for that. That's what I noticed. The, I noticed. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> I know. Finally, yeah. I said it, everybody. I yeah. know we were all thinking that. Taking down, <laughs> taking down Stranger Things is going to be the name of this episode. It is pretty thankless because you know when you're drawing comics, um, you're trying to be the historical research guy. You're yeah. trying to get the cars right. You're trying to get the steering. You're trying to get the, all the stuff right. And you've got experts from all fields who are happy to tell you, hey, you used the wrong rifle. Yeah. Hey, you did the wrong grill. Hey, this, yeah. hey, that. It's like, hey, I'm one dude. Yeah. Give me, I'm not like a production company. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. On the flip side, I've noticed that we tend to take in more information about stuff that we don't even realize we have. Right. Like the last time we were hanging out, we had like a long discussion about guns. And like different types of guns and oh, yeah. different shapes of guns. And I'm not, a, I don't own a gun. Right. I don't, I'm not like a gun nut. <laughs> I forgot about that. But I've drawn enough guns and had to find different <laughs> styles of guns to draw yep. that like I can go, oh, that's a MAC-10. Oh, yep. that's a, uh, an M4. It's different from the yeah. M16 because of, you know, that kind of thing. Because <laughs> the barrel slopes in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, uh, what was the, the Russian gun? The uh, AK-47. Yeah, the AK. Yeah. That's famously one of the top 10 things ever designed that the person who designed it didn't get any credit at all yeah yeah also the guy who invented the mouse never got credit really i think is also on that list yeah the ak-47 one of the most successful reliable simplest guns ever uh keeping terrorism alive one way or another everywhere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) the guy who created it i'm sure he was put to death very Um, shortly yeah yeah i'm sure Uh, he was but you know like even Uh I'm, i'm not a huge car guy compared to you right but i can identify a lot of cars just based on the shape of the car or even the headlights or the right. taillights you know yeah not to the extent that not that i'm pointing out grill colors and <laughs> what, what decade they're from but right yeah yeah it's just weird how much stuff that we take in yeah because we have to draw it i have uh i'm living in maine now so i have gun friends who like guns and all that and uh i haven't gone shooting those yet. are people who <laughs> like guns and not guns that you've made your friend right <laughs> Because yeah. one of those is going to cause us to have a conversation. <laughs> this is my friend Hollow Point. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, shit, that would be a good one-liner for a Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, they talk about guns and they know how they they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Because these are real men who hunt and you know love that stuff. And I can talk about it from like visual perspective like i like this gun and they're like why do you like it because it's easy to reload like no because it's easy to draw yeah <laughs> it's like okay it's because it's got a square shape yeah <laughs> oh a glock like the worst most boring gun to draw i mm. think but it's a very inexpensive gun you get a lot of rounds um the fact that i even know that is amazing because yeah. when i try to talk guns to my gun friends they're all interested at first like oh mr fancy artist you know liberal guy wants to talk about guns and yeah. they're like enchanted yeah. by my interest and then when I go, well, I like to draw them, they're like, Ugh, wah, wah. Yeah, no, that's like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, the RoboCop gun is actually a uh, Beretta machine pistol <laughs> yeah. with an extended barrel on the front that's specifically designed to look like a coffin. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Oh, man, is that true? The it coffin? is true, yeah. The, fr- the front of it is uh, sort of an oblong yeah. shape. It's supposed it to look like a coffin. It has cooling, the cooling vents on yeah. it, which is a nice touch. Yeah, but anyway. like, yeah, you know, it's stupid, crazy shit that you take in. Yep. I, I don't know furniture very well, but I know guns and cars. See, I've learned a lot about furniture by owning an antique house, so I know more than I would care to admit. <laughs> I know the difference between walnut furniture and oak and French oak and French polish. Don't even get me started. Okay. You well, want to sip your beer? Oh, yeah, you're so, out. Uh, ah, damn it. I don't want to waste it on a punchline. Uh, speaking of bad punchlines, um, did well, you catch Robin's sweet line where he says, let's just see who's going sleepy by? 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, but what? I forget where it came in, but it was like it was. He, he just leaned into. It, he was like, "Let's just see who's going sleepy by." Yeah, like, not great dialogue. Not your best work, Robin. I like. But, sorry, I was gonna say. Did you did you notice Robin seems like? I don't know why I haven't noticed this in the other ones, but he seemed younger. Like he seemed a lot sillier, kind of. And I know that mm. Dick Grayson is generally a lighter character. Yeah. But I don't know why he he seemed a little bit on the sillier side here. No, no? I thought he was just as silly as he usually is. Hmm. Maybe I just haven't seen a Robin one in a while. I watched Robin's Reckoning again today while well, I just had it on. Yeah. Just to keep it going while I was working. And I, he was quite silly in that too. Oh, yes. Until he got all pissed off and realized yeah. what was at stake. Yeah. I get, man, I'm maybe it's been a while since we've recorded one of these in, just, in real time. So he's just a goofy character which kind of as a kid he kind of took me out of the story a little bit yeah i th- there was one point where he swoops in to save batman in this and he's like he gives batman a critique while he's beating the bad guy like <laughs> yeah sure he's kind of a pain in the ass and he's kind of this he's kind of an asshole gotta love him gotta, but you gotta love him yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know why i get so much enjoyment out of that because it's not funny another uh <laughs> another line not from him that i did notice did you notice when uh, the uh, the ninja uses the line from Die Hard that uh, Hans Gruber uses about being when she, when Summer Gleason says you're just a thief and he goes no I'm not just a thief I'm an exceptional thief <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that wasn't on purpose because it's yeah. very specific right right yeah so my thing on ninjas mm-hmm. is uh, I liked Ninja Turtles okay but I was really into Snake Eyes yeah and Shadow Di- or Shadow yeah. um. Storm Shadow, Storm Shadow, yeah. and Me Shadow too. Dancer, Shinobi. Yep. Like I had, a, I had a big Ninja phase. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. yeah. Ninja Gaiden. Um, and when GI Joe comics and the action figures obviously started releasing Ninja Force, I was all over that. Oh, I don't remember that. They had like six characters who were all different ninjas, and Snake Eyes was the leader, which doesn't make sense because he can't because he can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, Storm Shadow was good or bad depending on the issue. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the bad guys were Slice and Dice. Oh, I remember those guys. One guy was red, one guy yep. was purple, and they uh-huh. were fucking awesome. Yep. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah. I but I I never thought about the too many ninjas problem. Yeah. Until you put it, in, and I think I agree because when there's so many and it just becomes a wave of karate it's yeah. hard to appreciate how cool each one is yeah but if you have a select group of ninjas doing cool things and we're actually due for like a good ninja movie like eyes like eisner um you know like oscar nominated like something really <laughs> you mean to to follow in the footsteps of all those other oscar nominated <laughs> yeah. ninja movies yeah we yeah. haven't had a good oscar ninja yeah, movie not, for since, a not since american ninja four <laughs> i uh, mean it's the problem is no one takes it seriously and i think you know it's it, anything can work. Well, you know, it's. I, I think. I think Frank Miller obviously is the one who popularized Ninja in the comics, right? Because yeah. he really brought them into Daredevil and and into Batman and stuff. Right, and indirectly created Ninja Turtles. If you think about That's it, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he was he was great with using too many Ninja to the to the best ability. Where he was on the far end, where it was like mm-hmm. now Daredevil or Batman is going to fight. A hundred thousand ninjas. Yeah, and it's just that is cool mm-hmm. because it just creates this wave of, and it's fun to draw because you know there's actually a great cover. I don't think it's him. I think it might be like John Romita Jr. or something, where it's like Daredevil fighting this literal wave of ninjas yeah. that are sort of coming up over I, him. I can see the cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that stuff's cool because you know that, uh, and you can tell on how fast someone's working by whether or not they give the ninja the uh, rectangle sword hilt or the circular sword hilt because the circular one is harder to draw. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, 
It also might be more accurate. I'm not sure. I don't know if ninja swords only have the rectangular uh, shield hilt. Most of them are rounded of. off in some way. It's an oval. Because I've drawn a lot for Tokyo <clears throat> Ghost. Yeah. And I had to learn about this shit. And yeah. I don't know why. But yeah. I think it's just easier. squared off. So I think Don, uh, Leonardo from Ninja Turtles made the boxy ones. Brought that into the zeitgeist. Because yeah. it's even like squared off at the end. Yep. At yeah. an angle. It's not quite accurate. But yeah. Um, but yeah. There's, I, I, I would agree. I, would, I think there's a... Well, it's tough because so many things are basically ninja movies now. Like I just saw John Wick three, which basically was, a ninja movie, which is basically a ninja movie, uh, and it's more so than the previous ones because there's actually more hand to hand stuff in it. Yeah, uh, and the first man, the first like twenty minutes of that movie, the, the, is the best knife fight I've ever seen. Oh, you saw be. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, at opening, the amount of knives. Oh my in god. A, in a knife museum. Yeah. Or wherever they were. Fine. <laughs> just, sure, just a whatever. weapon museum. Yeah. And he spends all that time building that that gun. Just to shoot one guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I thought that was you... going to be his gun for like the whole movie, but he just had that one shot. A revolver? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's all he had. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. No, that's one of those, not to go too off topic, but we're already there. Uh, <laughs> halfway through the big, I won't spoil it, but the big Middle Eastern fight scene. Yeah. Uh, I turned to my friend and I went, it's a good thing all these bad guys carry the same gun that John Wick does because he's just constantly grabbing like ammo from them like it's a video game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's a little comical. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, I think, I, I, th- I think uh, Last Samurai might be the most uh, critically acclaimed ninja movie I can think of. Yeah. And I think... Uh, so Rick Remender, my writer on Tokyo Ghost, when we were conceiving Tokyo Ghost, he was talking to a bunch of other writers, comics, and they were all laughing at the, you know, what, what Western white guy joins Eastern clan. Mm-hmm. And it's like Dances with Wolves is basically the same story. Yeah. It's like that kind of script. You have Dance with Wolves, you have Last Ninja, you have like white savior type stuff or whatever. Um, and everyone was sort of making fun of it. Mm-hmm. I really liked, and that's not untrue. <laughs> but I really liked Last Samurai. <clears throat> oh yeah, I but did the, too. The visually, the production looked good. Yeah. I think Tom Cruise is usually pretty awesome. I didn't like the ending. Um, you know, I definitely was another Dances with Wolves or whatever. But yeah, that ninja scene was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I could talk about that movie for a yeah. while. But, <laughs> but uh, that's how amazing this episode is. is yeah, where... <laughs> I guess we'll swing back to Batman. Um, the flashbacks. Yeah. I liked the very subtle sepia tone. Yeah, like it was wasn't good. too. It wasn't like the uh, the the mob boss one where it was like it turned into a you know an, too, an old timey uh, photo. Yeah, like Once Upon a Time in New York. Yeah, it was much, it yeah. was just enough where you could tell it was a little bit different. Yeah. Also, Bruce Wayne's voice is higher. I was gonna make that. Uh, is do you know? I haven't looked it up. Did is they it, do that digitally, or I don't did know. He like pinch a nut while he. I was don't know there. if that was if he's because <laughs> if he did that himself, he's a he's right. a lot better voice artist than I thought he was. Maybe I could do the rest of the podcast in my younger Sean voice. <laughs> I'm just as good as Kevin well, you, you Conroy. Have to put a, you have to put a little bit of a weird thing to, to compensate for the lip ring that you don't <laughs> have anymore. Yeah. Did you Wait. ever have a lip ring? No. No? Okay. Why would you say that? I don't know. I just, you were a big fan of The Crow. I thought maybe oh, you had a lip ring Jesus. for a while. Yeah. I, I wore black nail polish for literally one day. And that was the day. <laughs> but apparently that I day, Chris Dabari, 1,400 p- photos were yeah. taken of you. <laughs> And he's like, do whatever. No one just wears it for one day. I'm like, I know. I wouldn't believe me either. This is a debate we still have. And if I was him, I wouldn't believe me either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so what scene would you want to draw from this? I would I would draw a ninja fight. Just pretty. I would yeah. draw one of those fights. Because I didn't love the... Uh, I didn't love the animation on the fights. Yeah. I thought it was, you know... 
the Netflix Iron Fist show mm-hmm. had a problem for me where you have your show that's based entirely around fighting mm-hmm. and that your main character is supposed to be the greatest fighter in the world, mm-hmm. but your fights aren't that good. Oh, yeah. I feel like you have a core problem there. It's similar <laughs> here where it's like yeah. if your episode is built around fighting, these two guys fighting and how good they are as fighters. Yeah. I would hope the animation of the fighting would be a little yeah, better. Yeah, you want to shell out some of that money. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I like drawing ninja stuff too. Um, I did do a a book about the hand that was a writer, some independently wealthy writer mm-hmm. back in 2002, paid me to do 22 pages of the hand. Oh, cool. And because he wanted to submit it to Marvel to be a writer. So if you go online and look at search my name and you might find these pages online and I had to draw waves oh nice and I did not really enjoy it yeah yeah. (laughs) and you need crowds we have to plan tiny people in the background like I I hate that stuff yeah yeah Uh, yeah I can see the waves of ninjas being uh, annoying to draw especially if they're being if if they let you would you prefer in that situation it sounds like the writer was kind of specific about what he what he wanted yeah would it be would you have enjoyed it more do you think if if they just said page three Daredevil fights eight no. panels worth of ninja. Yeah, no, I was making it hard on myself. Yeah, this is my my thing I do. So I really wanted to make these like a human wave of ninjas coming over the tops of buildings. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it was about one member of the hand that became aware and he snapped out of it, mm-hmm. and all the other ones just sensed that something was wrong, so they just started attacking him. And he oh, was cool. it was basically an escape story, um, and it was fun, but I, I got sick of it really fast. Yeah. You know, yeah. These, they become disposable when you have too many of them. Right. That's my problem. And I like ninjas. And that's sort of how they are in most media anyway. They're, that's why they're disposable. Yeah. You know, you have a bunch of them because you can beat right. up a bunch of them and, and they, you yeah. don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, they're dirty, honorless criminals. <laughs> I guess so. According but yeah, I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think that would be kind of fun. Especially, <laughs> I don't know if I would set it inside a carpet factory <laughs> yeah and that also has that. like one greek statue in it for some reason <laughs> yeah what about you what would you draw um yeah i would draw some ninja stuff but i don't want to draw waves just one of him on the rooftop fighting a ninja i would probably complicate the costume a bit it was just black with a red sash mm-hmm. um or maybe um a flashback scene where he's fighting um, I love telling my colorists like do sepia tone, do just browns or black yeah. and white, whatever. Like I really love the less is more, less color, you know. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool to do a scene inside that dojo too. Yeah. Like I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the like the, those paper walls. Yeah. And like throwing paper. guys through paper. Ro- the, yeah. You know? It's basically a perspective grid. Literally, they have the wood. Yeah. Uh, bamboo. I mean, it's all straight lines. Like. Yeah, Japanese design is designed to be easy to draw. I love it. When I did a little bit of it in Tokyo, I'm like, oh man, this is so easy. I could do Japanese things all this, all yeah, day long. You yeah, know? it's great to throw people through. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know you didn't. I know you didn't like it, but I one of my favorite parts of the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie is at the end. That's a great use of ninja in that movie. Oh, that's right. When he comes up on the elevator and they all go for the swords and he just shoots them all. Yeah. And then it's the lights go out and he's like <laughs> fighting in the hallways and throwing guys through the paper and stuff. Yeah. That stuff is great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Nice. So uh, what would your rating be on this one? You know, I was going to give it a two. Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But I think there's enough good stuff in it as far as like, I, I think the character work is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with Robin is good, even though, like I said, it feels kind of unmotivated. I give it a three. Yeah. I'm going to go three as well. Yeah. Strong three. But 
I'm saying that because I know the follow-up episode to this is probably a four. Yeah, yeah. But none okay. of them is That'll be hard advice. Interesting, interesting <laughs> conversation, I think, then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with Cat Scratch Fever. Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> all right, welcome back. Uh, next episode we're going to cover is Cat Scratch Fever. Mm-hmm. And in it, Batman must stop Roland Daggett's plan to, re- to release a viral plague designed by Professor Milo into Gotham City by way of its stray cat population. The case gains new urgency when Catwoman becomes infected with the virus during her search for her missing cat, Isis. Now Batman must find an antidote to save the woman who loves him most. And the story by Sean Catherine Derrick, teleplay by Buzz Dixon, director Boyd Kirkland. Uh, do you want to go first? Because I think we're going to have differing, sounds like we have differing opinions of this episode. Yeah, I uh, don't love this one. Oh, okay. Because based on what you said a minute ago, I thought you really liked this one. No. Okay. No, good. I didn't then like it. Then we're going to have very similar Okay, opinions. good, yeah. yeah. I felt that, um, I like Catwoman as a character, but I feel like she's just a, reduced to a damsel in distress in this one. Yeah. Um, I think the bad guys are goofy. Uh, I think the animation's not great. Just, you know, the uh, Ted Nugent title doesn't help at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just don't like this episode. I if, I do like the very end when he delivers Isis back to her in a yeah. basket. I think that's a really heartwarming scene. But otherwise, I don't think there's a lot here. Well, that about does it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I feel more or less the same way. Uh, the first... <laughs> 10 minutes is Selena Kyle looking for a cat. Yeah. Um, and it's basically the same plot as the missing homeless people one, except it's with animals. Yeah. Uh, hey, humans are, and homeless people are animals. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say humans, but hot, I decided take. I could make it more offensive. Yeah, hot take. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the plot is pretty lame. Like the, the bad guy's plan is pretty lame and cliche. I'm not even sure exactly what they're trying to do yeah they're trying to in- infect the the population of gotham yep yep Daggett through has stray the, dogs through stray animals and then um that's the kind of thing that's the kind of thing where when your boss says that you go this guy is crazier than even most insane people are <laughs> he uh and then he has the cure and he'll sell the cure and make a lot of money it's a popular plot for a lot of yeah. I feel like I've heard this plot a few it's, different ways. I feel like they must have done that with Poison Ivy at some point. Yeah. It feels very Poison Ivy. <clears throat> no, as a kid, I thought that was brilliant. Like, I've never heard <laughs> Well, I this. mean, if it works, I mean, <laughs> oh it's, it is, yeah. 12-year-old, like, that is a perfect two-part plan. I don't yeah. see how that could possibly go wrong. Brilliant. Yeah. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like Daggett. I always have that weird question, like, am I watching Daggett or am I watching um, the guy that reminds me of Daggett? Uh, the other Batman villain? The mobster guy. Rupert Thorne? Thorne, yeah. yeah. I, I know they're different, but I always get them mixed up. Daggett feels like he's a... I've, I think we've only seen him a couple times so far, but he seems like a catch-all mm-hmm. for when they need someone who's not quite... Who's not a gangster, but he's not a supervillain. Yeah. So if there's some sort of like production... If there's production involved yeah, with involves whatever the money plot is. Yeah. And some kind of... Um, you have to sort of be an up-and-up citizen... Then they use Daggett. Yeah, because he also he was the one behind Clayface, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a white collar criminal, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if there's an overhead involved, <laughs> you want Roland Daggett as your bad guy. 
Yeah, he wasn't used that much. I love the voice actor. Uh, I'm spacing on his name right now. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I just wish that they had used him for um, Rupert Thorne instead, because I don't like the voice actor for Rupert Thorne. One of them is Ed Asner. I, I think so. It's, Ed Asner is, uh, is Daggett. Is Daggett? Yeah, 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 he's good. I like him. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I I like some of the relationship stuff. I guess um, I I like the idea that. Selena Kyle is in lo- who is Catwoman is in love with Batman but doesn't care about Bruce Wayne. I mean that's pretty yeah. standard. Uh, yeah. That it's the Lois Lane Superman thing, except in this case yeah. Lois Lane is also a villain. Um, she uh, also this weird line where she's like, "Oh, don't worry, Selena Kyle won't be going." Dot dot dot. And Batman should be like, "Oh, so you're gonna dress up as Catwoman?" Yeah. Obviously, that's what that means. I'm yes. a detective, and I need to arrest you. Also, everyone knows you're Catwoman because you just got out of jail yeah. for being Catwoman. If you dress up as Catwoman, I mean, they're gonna just like, "Oh, I see Selena. She's yeah. dressed as Catwoman. There she is. Hi." At the beginning of the episode, there's literally a Selena Kyle fan club. Oh, yeah, about, about trying to get her out of jail. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, it reminds me of The Simpsons. <laughs> of course it when, does. <laughs> when Marge is like, Homer, you're not going out to stalk Lenny and Carl again. He's like, no, no, I'm going out to stalk Lenny and Carl. Um, you know, their relationship is interesting. I, there's a, I'm going to, I probably shouldn't even mention this because I don't know it well enough to portray it well. But with that in mind, here we go. Uh, my friend was telling me his his kids love this cartoon on Netflix, which I can't remember the name of. Mm. But he said what's interesting is that the, it's a superhero cartoon. Yeah. And the two characters are both superheroes. And when they are um, when they are just uh, in their secret identities, mm-hmm. character one has a crush on character B, but character B doesn't have a crush on character A. Did I say one and A? Yeah, I don't God, know why you switched. Okay. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Character A has a crush on character B, <laughs> uh-huh. but character B doesn't have a crush on character A. And when they switch. But when, they sw- when they're superheroes, yeah. character B has a crush on character A, okay. character A doesn't have a crush on character B, and they don't know that they are superheroes. I was going to say, yeah. so that's got to be the thing. Is, yeah, okay. which is a really interesting way to play that. Because hmm. it's like, it's the Superman-Lois Lane thing, but like yeah. doubled up. It's like yeah. a love square. Yeah. For two people. Yeah. It's kind of mm. kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about? I don't know if we've really talked about this, and if we had, I have. I apologize. How do you feel about the Catwoman Batman relationship thing in general? Um. Do you have an answer prepared? Um. I don't hate it. Yeah. But I've also I've also kind of felt it feels kind of forced. Yeah. Just because they are the two because. Batman doesn't have a love interest generally, yeah. and Catwoman is walks the line enough where it's not that weird if he falls in love with her. Yeah, uh, it's not like Talia Al Ghul. I'm actually more I'm more interested in the Talia Al Ghul Batman relationship where yeah. Batman's like, "Listen, lady, I don't want any part of this," and she's like, "No, you and I are going to have a kid." <laughs> yeah, because my because uh... my you trained with my dad. That means that we have to get married <laughs> yeah. and have a kid. Not weird at all. Yeah, you smell just like my dad. Ugh. Um, I have you ever seen of, that? Have you ever seen that old uh, the Neil Adams um, Batman in the desert sequence where Batman has his shirt off, but he's still got his cowl on. Yeah, and he's got the yeah, and they're kissing, the and they have the uh, glorious hair on his chest. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, there's a, a scene in um, the episode where they do that too, and they have a kiss, and it's like the setting sun over the desert. They're playing Lawrence of Arabia or yeah. something. 
Um, no, I didn't know that was based off of Neil Adams. Um, no, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Bruce falling in love. Period. Yeah, I feel like my version of him is so single-minded on what he's doing. He doesn't have time for for that. Yeah, um, I could see him having fleeing crushes on somebody like Talia or mm-hmm. someone that you know. If he's out patrolling and there's a hot villain there and there's some chemistry and he's like, he'll entertain the thought for a minute, but I don't see him really following through. And I just think he's too smart and he sees how complicated it would be to ever get involved with Catwoman. Yeah. Unless she went straight, of course, which is where a lot of the stories come in because she can kind of go both ways sometimes. Yeah. And even there though, I I don't even think that necessarily makes it less complicated. Yeah. Because you're still eventually trusting Catwoman whether or not she's gone straight with yeah. your whole thing. And I, I kind of agree where, yeah, yeah I don't know. He just, he's always seemed very asexual almost. Yeah. You know, and yeah. which some people like, some people don't. Yeah. Um, well, I can see him falling in love with someone as Bruce. Yeah. Like with uh, Andrea Beaumont. Yes. If he's falling in love with a version of his life that doesn't involve Batman, mm-hmm. it's just a different personality of his. So if he, if, or even in um, Batman Returns, where he f- sort of falls in love with um, what's her face? Catwoman. <laughs> uh, Selena Kyle, yeah, played by um, Michelle Fiverr. Thank you. So he sort of liked her when she was a secretary and took yep. her out. And I don't ever think he was thinking about giving up Batman, but he always he was wondering how am I going to tell her this stuff? Which... Yeah, he was really into the woman with the massive head wound. <laughs> yeah, but she was sort of a girl you date, not a girl you marry. <laughs> To put it in a mild way. Uh-huh. Uh, or Vicky Vale, too. I, I think he's like attracted to normal people. Not I see him more with a normal person, not with a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like actors who don't want to date other actors. They always like to date people yeah. who are outside the but industry. Like, how do you feel about Daredevil and Elektra? Um, that one I've never had a problem with. Same. <clears throat> I think because they are generally presented as equals. Yeah. Um, and they have a much richer history yeah. than... Batwoman, Batman and Catwoman do, and I'm and I, I don't mean that like they've been around longer. It's just like right. I don't know. I don't quote me on this, but I don't feel like Catwoman and Batman being a, th- a romantic thing is something that is goes back to the '40s. You know, I think that it was a more modern construct. Right. Again, not 100 percent sure, but that's always how it felt to me. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. If we cared about what we were doing, we would have researched. It. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Um, I, Just be uh, glad we watched the show, I guess. <laughs> I like uh, Daredevil Electra because of the whole, he's a Catholic, mm-hmm. and he's trying to be good, and he's kind of a good boy, but he has a bad boy vibe, and she's the forbidden fruit. And she even looks like Forbidden Fruit. She's exotic, with like mm-hmm. wild dark hair, and just very, yeah. She might be the most specifically, this might sound weird to say, but she see, she might be the most specifically ethnic character. Mm-hmm. That I've seen in a comic book, that right. from before 1995, basically, because she's she's very Greek. Oh yeah, you know yeah. her whole thing, like yeah. a big part of her thing is that she is she's Greek, right? Um, and yeah, it really it adds to that to that you know yeah. exoticism for lack of a better term, yep. which is probably not the right way to say it. But. No, I well, I meant as a compliment, like yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fruit, yeah. you know, being on vacation in the Mediterranean, you meet the girl in a white skirt on the beach, like you know, I yeah, mean, yeah, in a good yeah. way. Um, but yeah, I can see it with Daredevil because it plays into it, it's tempting him basically. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that Catwoman is tempting Bruce the same way. I feel like he's 
more prepared and more capable and more everything than she is. And mm-hmm. I don't see why the whole idea of she could fool him once and then he's going to be on to her basically. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Daredevil isn't that type of character. Like he's probably going to let his heart be broken over and over and over again. Cause that's just, you know, makes more sense for him. Yeah. But that, yeah. I don't see Bruce being that dumb, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think I've heard people say like, Oh, well, Celine is like a blind spot for Bruce. And it's like, no, she's not. I, I don't yeah. buy that. You know, I, I understand that, you know, Batman doesn't need to be infallible. Right. But I don't know. I think I feel like he would have a more of a more guard than yeah. generally they give Agreed. him. You know, I see him. I buy more Talia for him. Honestly, she's sort of more like Electra-ish in a way, mm-hmm. and because her dad barges his way into Bruce's life in this in this show mm-hmm. by finding out who he is and needing him for a mission and all this stuff, like Bruce doesn't have any secrets from Raish. It, it it seems. Yeah. And then you have this daughter character, and they're there's destined. It's just like. I don't know, like for some reason that mix of events just lends itself more to me believing that he would at least have a fling with Talia and there would always yeah. be chemistry there. Um, but he knows who she is. He knows she won't change. She knows he won't change. Like It has, know. the thing with Talia has always felt kind of like when one half of an arranged marriage doesn't want any part of it. Yeah. Um, where it's like <laughs> the, she and Rachel Ghoul are kind of forcing themselves onto Batman. Right. And he very much doesn't want a part of it, but at the same time, he's kind of like, uh, I mean, she's kind of cute. I'm going to follow this through and see where it goes. Yeah, but it, <laughs> but like he, it's, it's. I find it more interesting than the Catwoman thing because it, it has even more of a we really shouldn't do this vibe right. than the Catwoman thing does. Yeah. Because the outcome of him getting with Talia is like yeah. breeding a race of supervillains, essentially. Right, but. yeah. <clears throat> So I had a lot of readers uh, from White Knight at want really want Bruce and Harley Quinn. Mm, that's yeah. That's I'm gonna say this. <laughs> that's fucked up. I'm not a fan of that. But okay, continue. Why, why is that fucked up? I don't. Eh, I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> that's a different level of weird than Batman and Catwoman because he's got sloppy seconds from the Joker. No. Because Catwoman, Catwoman kind of walks, you know, she walks the line. Harley Quinn has a lot of emotional issues <laughs> that Batman probably doesn't want any part but of. Not my Harley, though. That's the thing. Okay. I, t- I, I toned it down a lot. All right. Well, so one of the yeah, just wait till the next edit you get. <laughs> Great. Um, one of the scenes in my book is uh, Harley. Spoilers, she's basically the white knight and she's sort of pulling the strings on everybody, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she and Batman have a few heart to hearts in the book, usually on her rooftop. And I had a lot of positive reactions from readers who were like, We really love this relationship. It's not romantic, it's more like a brother, French sister. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Or like um, just two people that are both kind of messed up in their own ways and they just have this bizarre understanding and respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people went a step further and they said, hmm, I never thought about this before, but what about. Batman and Harley. And if you just drop that on someone on the street, you don't know. They're going to say, no way. Yeah. But the way that I'm teeing it up in White Knight more and more, especially with Volume 2, is... For now. It, it makes slightly more... <laughs> until I get your fucking notes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I my pushback would be... I feel like Batman and Harley getting together in White Knight undercuts everything you're doing with Harley and Jack mm-hmm. because her whole thing is that she's in love with Jack right and that's her whole world 
So I feel like having, God forbid, one of the Joker or Jack is no longer in the equation. Right. Uh, I I feel like putting Harley with Batman is is kind of weird. So uh, if Joker is in love with Batman mm-hmm. in a way, um, Jack Napier might be in love with Batman. Mm-hmm. Some readers suggested that he's bi. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that we... <laughs> you seen House of Cards? Yes. Where uh, they both make love to the Secret Service guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Batman. No, okay. This is a great pitch for... A great pitch for Curse of the White Knight you got going no, right here, I'm guys. No, back, back off for a second. All I'm saying is... Issue six, right? That's when this happens? <laughs> when um, I think that Joker and Harley kind of have this Joker and Jack sorry Harley what did I write Harley and Jack Napier have they sort of I think that it makes sense for them both to sort of respect Batman and if he's in love with Batman then it's not too crazy for anyone to suggest that she might also part of her in another life Mm -hmm. maybe she realizes in another Mm -hmm. life you're a good guy you're honest like in the animated series she kissed him twice I think Mm -hmm. Um, you know he's never shown any affection for her although he does show her respect you know I just thought that out there Okay, that's fine. If you, ha- I'm gonna say, put this on the record. Okay, I'm gonna fight you real hard if you have them make out. No, no, you already shut that down. Okay, you already gave me that note. You're like, nope, holding hands is pushing it. Yeah, so you guys can blame me for that. They hug. I'm gonna make them hug because I know I can draw that and I can pull it off. Is it gonna be like a sixth grade hug where there's like room for the Holy Spirit between no, them, like a dance? It's, no. no, it's I can show you the panel. Okay, I'll, I'll bring. My, I'll pull up my red pencil and we'll we'll deal with this <laughs> yeah, later. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what did I like in this episode? <laughs> um, uh, the dog animation I thought was great when he's when he's chasing him onto the ice, right? And he does that. So he slips on the ice and has that kind of like three sixty spin. Yeah. Whoever their three sixty guy is on the show is really good because <laughs> every time they have a shot like that, it looks great. Yeah. The uh, Two Face episode they had a. 180 shot that's yeah. like that they, they, so, every time they have the, the car the yeah. Batmobile and that spinny thing what do you think of the sound effects on the dogs uh, it sounded like they had one that they kept using yes. over and over yeah. yeah it sounded like if you drag a can, an empty can across concrete like <laughs> yeah. it was like the same just imagine a button that makes that noise it's like especially when you're listening to it and not watching it like I was it's like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ the fucking dogs don't sound like dogs at all and this sound effect is way overused it's funny, I didn't look to see if there was anybody listed as the, the, dog, the dog person. But generally, there is. And it's the guy, I, don't, I may have said this before, the guy who was, his name's Frank Welker. And uh-huh. he's done a million, he's like the most famous voice actor still alive. Oh. He did Megatron on Transformers. He was Fred on yeah. um, Scooby-Doo. Okay. Slimer in the Ghostbusters. Uh, he shows up and shows all the time yeah. as as animals because he does really good animal voices. Was he in Lady and the Tramp and the dog in the pound scene? I don't know. Might have been. Hmm. Who so, knows? No, he would have been young when that came out. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but he's he's the guy. I've, on The Simpsons, he's shown up just to do like a dog bark once or twice. Yeah. And on the commentaries, they always talk about how expensive he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was in... A, uh, Savannah and I met Robert Paulson who is the voice actor for Warner Brothers he did Yakko Warner mm-hmm. he did Meatloaf and Fight Club right yeah his name is Robert Paulson yeah. that's why I can remember his name yeah uh, he did uh, Pinky and the Brain he was 
Pinky, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. I think he does like Raphael or Michelangelo, or whatever. But uh, yeah, he and I click. He's so good. I think he does a voice in this episode, actually, because I know his voice. And I think it's in this episode. I thought I heard it, actually. Yeah. I think yeah. he's the the weird scientist yeah. guy with the long nose and the bowl haircut. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That, that design. Oof. <laughs> so when I was talking to him, because we're both car guys and we're chatting about what we drove, whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't get to meet car people at convention, comic conventions usually. Um. He, uh, oh, I was telling him about my book and he was excited to read it. And I said, uh, Hey, I don't know what kind of pull I have, but you seem like a good dude. Um, if we ever do an animated whatever for White Knight, like I'll love happily put your name in for Jack Napier as opposed oh, yeah. to the Joker. Right. And he went off, he took it, and he's like, That would be great. We could get, we could get uh, Mark in, we could get Kevin in, like, started naming them all by first name. And I'm just like, started, you trying. know, in his head, he's like, <laughs> Motherfucker, I have more pull than you do, Sean. Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Why would they want me in the room when they're making White Knight uh, animation, you know? Yeah. Uh, that would be... Yeah, He's he's got a great voice, though. He yeah. actually... Uh, um, his voice showed up in Harley Quinn and Batman, the yeah. which, unfortunately. So he's definitely worked in that world yeah. before. Yeah, no, he's great. He's really great with his fans. <clears throat> always on his feet. Just 110% energy. Yeah. He must just go back to his hotel room and collapse... He was like filming things live and singing to people. Um, Animaniacs is back in fashion now because oh, cool. it's, it's past that twenty year gap where yeah. people that loved it now have kids. So he's like, Great show. he knows like this is a song, like all the states in the country, and oh, all yeah, the countries yeah, in the yeah. world. So he did one with me for my sister. My sister geeked out on it, and yeah, he awesome. actually looks like Yakko. Does he? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. They they might have done that thing where they you know how the genie and Aladdin kind of looks like Robin Williams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway. Um, what scene would you draw? Um, you know, I'm going to go a little bit in the opposite direction from I usually do, where I say I would love to draw Batman lit by fire. I think Batman trapped under the ice would Damn be Damn it, cool. that's what I was going to ah, say. Fuck. You don't want to draw, you don't want to draw Catwoman's really inconspicuous <laughs> hideout underneath the giant panther statue. That has to be a joke, right? That has to be like an in-joke yeah. Where she's like, I have this hideout, and then they hard cut to this yeah. giant Let me guess. building. Is it near a cat? Let me guess. Joker's hiding in a joke shop somewhere. Yeah. If she if they were if she yeah. was smart, she would have been like, I have this hideout. It's in yeah. the abandoned joke factory. Yeah. And Batman shows up. Joker, where are you? And she steps out. Or he goes to the puzzle factory, and it's not the Riddler, it's Croc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you um how how do you feel about drawing dogs? Good question. Um I just drew a bunch of horses today. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can do it. I love drawing animals if I have the time. Um, drawing animals in action. I mean, there are special artists that, you know, specialize in this stuff who are mm-hmm. much better at it than I am. Um, I had to draw Harley's hyenas again. I didn't want to draw them, but I felt like the scene made sense, so I drew them. And hyenas are so weird looking. That yeah. Even when you draw them right, they still look wrong. Yeah. But normally I don't love it, but I'll do it. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, it depends on the animal. Uh, yeah, horses are always tough. I, I, I've probably said this in one of the previous episodes, but the yeah. last book that I was doing uh, was already running kind of late for various reasons. Yeah. And um, it was mostly guys in suits and like guns and yep. cars. Yep. And then the last, one of the last pages was like 15 guys all on horses charging <laughs> next to a 15 other guys all charging on motorcycles. And I was right. like, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. For me, the trick to horses was getting uh, small horse toys yeah, and yeah. models and being able to rotate it. Because the horse shape changes so much depending on the angle you use. And yeah, just having it in your hand, for me, like helped out a lot. Yeah, I actually have a... Um, uh, 
a toy from uh, Sleepy Hollow, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. The McFarlane toy of the headless horseman on top of this on a horse. Yeah. Which is that thing is great because yeah. it's like it's a good horse toy. Yeah. That you can you know turn and get like good lighting on and stuff. Yeah. I was uh, when I was looking for references, I was looking at the shot from Batman: Ret- uh, Dark Knight Returns where he's galloping on the horse. Mm. I was like, yeah, I remember that horse being pretty awesome. Yeah. I flipped to that page and I was like, I think he, I think he kind of kind of winged this one because <laughs> yeah. it's like the legs look right yeah and the head is kind of like down yeah, it's a really blocky. weird shot for a horse yeah so i feel like he kind of like it's iconic though yeah like he that, got the face and he got the feet and he was like eh, yeah just whatever and according to klaus this is the dark knight mm-hmm. yeah you said you should have seen the pencils before i fixed it <laughs> oh i can imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah that's that's funny yeah, horses are really hard. I think a lot of artists would say like that's their least favorite, other than cars. That's mm-hmm. like their least favorite thing to draw. Yeah, um, I feel more comfortable drawing horses than cars. I think because I, well, no, because I, yeah. I just I'm more of an organic yeah, you are. line person. Yeah, and I still haven't totally figured out how cars work in space. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I have explained to a friend of ours like six times how to draw ellipses and tires and she just does not get it she just, it's not in her brain she doesn't care even as i start re-explaining it mm-hmm. i see her brain just shut off and i'm like why am i even wasting my breath the ellipses don't bother me as much it's just the 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 cars themselves yeah like placing a a a shape that has a lot of like rounded contours and stuff inside right. like a three-dimensional square Right. I haven't quite figured out how to maneuver like the curves of the lights, right. the, the headlights and stuff. So I would suggest for you, uh, draw cars from the 70s. Yeah. It lends itself to your style. Uh, comics are great for throwing in different period stuff, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily register as being different. Uh, and with your style, especially with your like grindhouse type of mm-hmm. love, like draw just cars from the 70s are boxy and easier to do. Cars yeah. and curves are hard. 60s cars are hard. If I don't have a specific car in the script, I generally to, try to do that. Yeah, Something go to the seventies. Yeah. yeah, I love drawing seventies cars. Like, yeah, I could do a whole podcast about that. If yeah, I want. <laughs> like, like a nice Lincoln or Cadillac, no problem with that one. Uh, just when you're talking about McFarland toys, mm-hmm. you, uh, people seem to like our tangents. So here we go. Um, I remember meeting. <laughs> well, we haven't done one yet, so we may as well do one now. <clears throat> I was in school, and uh, Scad paid for Mark Schultz to come and teach who did mm-hmm. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs okay. cartoon. Also known as like Xenonics, Xeno, whatever, Tales. Okay. When they called it Cadillacs and Dinosaur, good move, good branding. <laughs> <laughs> Xenomorph, nope, that's not it. Um, so anyway, uh, he was talking about, he always goes around with a, a figure of Jack Tenrick, which is the main character in Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. He has the action figure in his pocket, and it's like a squat-looking pre-Todd McFarlane McFarlane toys like this is the best you could get sorry yeah, kids yeah. he carried it around when someone asked him what he did he'd pull it out and be like I did this and then it would be this weird conversation <laughs> I guess about how you didn't actually make this you did the comic and you have to backpedal a lot mm-hmm. didn't seem like a good idea but this is a shit that's so sorry but that's so much more <laughs> elaborate than like I have a hard enough time telling people I draw comic books yeah like, what do you do? I'm an illustrator well what does that mean yeah. I draw comic books oh have you drawn anything I've seen probably yeah. not like pulling out the action figure for your thing, it's not like you're pulling out a Batman action figure right, for your register. Yeah. It's like a guy who looks like a mechanic who's disproportionate. Yeah. Then you have to go backwards and explain everything that led up to this, and that just sounds like more of a pain. In the and the ass person to me. you're talking to is like nodding as they slowly walk away <laughs> yeah. from you. So uh, he was saying um, back before. So Todd McFarlane called him once and mm-hmm. said, 
I'm working with this toy company. Um, they tried to make Spawn toys, and I fucking hate it, and it's crazy, and they won't give me any notes. I won't give them. They won't accept my notes, and blah 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 blah. And Mark, who's a very um, even-tempered, just laid-back type of guy, was like, "Hey, man, you know what? I, I hear you, but it's just how it is. Like, you think I love my Cadillacs and dinosaurs figures? No, but this is just the best they have." And Todd goes, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to start my own toy company. And, and Mark's like, yeah, okay, Todd. And hangs up on him. <laughs> and we all know who had the last laugh. Yeah. I feel like, is it, does, can, does that work with anything? Like, could you get, is that the thing that motivates McFarlane more than anything this. else? I'm gonna, yeah. So you could be like, you know, man, it's too bad that you hired me to wash your car, but I just can't do it very well. I guess this is the way it is. Yeah. And then he just washes his own car. Yeah. Well, so when I talked to Todd, I realized oh, I have a lot in common with Todd. Mm. Our, our take on business, our frustrations. We, we both seem to be anger and spite motivated, <laughs> which is a dangerous combination if you can go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought I was going to not have a lot to talk with him about. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's in my head. Yeah. This is crazy. Um, yeah, I probably got along with him better than um, Mark, who I, I love Mark. He's super, he's going to live a lot longer than Todd and I, I'll say that. <laughs> um God, what else? Did you, you said something else that made me want to pick a different tangent. Yeah, I'll leave it in a bit. Uh, well, yeah, overall, boring episode for me. Yeah. Uh, not a great use of Catwoman. I mean, I feel yeah. like they haven't figured her out yet. She's still stuck in that Poison Ivy thing where it's like, well, everything she does have to involve cats or something. Right. You know, uh, I guess it's good if you gotta if you got to write one quick, it's mm-hmm. easy, but yeah. not, didn't love it. Um I would probably give this a two. I was going to go two as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. One more question. Yeah. Uh, Do you... You don't like drawing dogs. I don't hate it. Okay. Um, I I don't mind drawing... When I... Drawing animals is is always... It takes some adjustment. Right. Because the human figure is... You draw enough of it that you can kind of rough it in pretty quickly. Yep. But when you get to an animal... It's like, oh, Jesus, this is a completely different mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. I have to kind of readjust my brain. Right. Um, I actually haven't drawn that many. Anyway, why do you ask? Well, do you have a no-draw list? Uh, not yet. Have we talked about this? Uh, we might have. Okay. Uh, some artists have a no-draw list. They have a list of things. <laughs> I apologize if we're just Sorry. going through the greatest hits of stuff we've it's gonna, already talked about. It's going to be funnier this time. Yeah. Uh, one guy won't draw magic because he's super religious and magic is something of the devil. Um, hmm. Some people just won't draw things out of spite because they hate drawing them, you know. And a lot of artists just won't draw cars. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how you get away with that one. Yeah, like I've always felt like if the story needs it, I will figure out a way to draw yeah. it. And yes. I, I've never just I have a blanket list of like, nope, sorry, you're not doing it. I don't care what your script says. I'm not drawing that. Yeah, that just seems to me. I don't know. I can tell you what I do have, and I I have a problem not figuring out a way to make it easier for myself. Hmm. So if if the, the the script calls for a shot of something that I know is a pain in the ass to draw, yeah, I tend to not instinctively figure out an easier way for me to frame it. Mm-hmm. I'll just go with what I think it should look like in my head. So basically, uh, if if I have to do a shot of a city, right, and, and you know someone's busting up through the roof of a building or something, right, I will rough in like a three-point perspective mm-hmm. sprawling city shot knowing i hate to draw that shit and yeah. it will it will drive me nuts yeah but in my head it's like well that's the best shot so that's what i'm gonna do yeah or the the one with the horses i kind of figured out a little bit of a, a sidestep to the horses thing yeah but even there i ended up doing a bunch of them 
Um, what was great though is there was a lot of smoke coming up, so you only had to draw a bunch of heads. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was like <laughs> that, where I was like, I roughed it in. I'm like, all right, there's like I got to draw like 50 horses here. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm seeing it in my head as though I was shooting with a camera. Ver- and then I kind of run it through the filter of, all right, well I actually have to draw this. How the hell am I going to do this? Right. Um. So yeah, I would say my I have a first pass problem where I I haven't figured out how to really simplify that stuff, but yeah. not lose the uh, the dynamics I'm going for, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you uh, draw comics because you're basically a director who's too lazy to hire a crew? Um, I <laughs> or, wouldn't say too lazy, uh, but I'm not, I... I'm not, that's not too far off, though, is it? It's not, well... <laughs> it's the easiest way to do it. Let's put it that way. That's, it's, not, it's not a lazy thing because drawing comics is fucking hard. Yeah, no, um, I didn't mean to suggest it was. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a... You can you can do everything you can do in a movie, but you can do it yourself. Yeah, and it's you don't have to really communicate your vision to somebody else. You can right. just do it. Yeah. Um. I mean, if I had the skill, and yeah. the technical ability, and the backing, I would sure I would love to. You know, every, I think right. every I think all of us would say yes to that. But I think there's a lot of maybe just friends of ours who like Dan Panosian, Dustin Wynn, mm-hmm. um, you, me, who I, Dabari, of course, Joe, mm-hmm. um, Ricardo likes comics. Uh, we like comics. We really liked them when we were younger, mm-hmm. but as we grew up, we sort of left them behind. But we still draw them, mm-hmm. and we still like we enjoy them the, for the art. But we're more into movies. But we didn't make the leap to movies, so now we sort of just push through this comic career mm-hmm. because we think of ourselves as more of like directors doing mini movies rather than comics. Yeah, I, like, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like I'm definitely that that person yeah. what I don't know about comics is staggering as you know <laughs> I mean just Batman is staggering you, know, uh, you write the damn book I mean <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, Tom my friend Tom King is moving on to some other things from uh, Detective 85 or 86 I forget and the news came out this week and um, Batman 85 Batman thank yeah. you sorry um, and people were saying, oh, who's going to replace him? And people started talking about me because I have I had a good selling book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm a name, quote unquote. Uh, and I immediately said, you don't want me writing mainstream Batman. I don't know anything about, about the characters. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have any interest in this. I'm not the guy. Like, trust me. Like, the fact that I can get through White Knight is is a feat in itself. Like, I'm just not, I'm not your candidate. Sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even if DC came to me, I'd say, I probably hire you and say I, I can do this I need to do a lot of research and really get my head around it but I it's not like it comes naturally to me to yeah. fill in for an ongoing Batman book yeah. that involves other superheroes you know yeah well it's I mean it's a different beast you know it's yeah. it's. I, I think you and I fall in the same category where I I would prefer to do a story that has a beginning a middle and an end to it yeah exactly and that's not to take away from people who do Yep. long-running comics or to say that long-running comics don't have that right but it's just a it's a it's a mindset of thinking about long-term long-form storytelling right that at this moment doesn't super interest me yeah because i th- i think the movie thing that you're talking about probably comes through the most in that way i agree where i would much rather do five issues of a of a comic that read as a single story mm-hmm. much like you would it would watching the movie of it right. than I would to doing like a hundred issues that have 
yeah. interlocking plots that yeah. go on for ten years. Like, I don't know? even. So when I wrote, uh, when I write, I you know beginning, middle, end, and it ends. And there's a few threads that I could use yeah. for a sequel. And there's a button at the end which intrigues, like, ooh, where's this going? Mm-hmm. But I'm not leaving. Like to do an ongoing, you have to have like different subplots that have clearly not been resolved yeah. that are going to be picked yeah. up. Now that this plot is finished, the next plot will take over and. I suppose I could do that. I just never thought of myself as that kind of writer and I'd take practice. I'm just yeah. not wired that way. Yeah. That's how much respect I have. I mean, you know, the main, the main books, the, the flagship titles that hold together publishers. Yeah. The amount of that's, that's the amazing thing. It's, you know, the writing um, is, is impressive, but for me, the most important, the most impressive thing is just planning. Yes, and keeping it yeah, going and keeping yeah. the momentum and stopping, making sure it doesn't get stale and coordinating with dozens of people. And yeah, like I don't want to be on the phone to different writers telling them what I'm going to do and they're going to be like, "That's crazy." When you get into like multi-book stuff like yeah. that, and you, yeah, yeah. Now, do you know um, how much generally that stuff is mapped out? Yeah, like you know how in television shows it's like, well, we kind of have an idea of the first season. Right. Or the first half of the season, and then we're going to kind of yeah. mess with it as we go. Yeah. So they have writer summits um, at least once a year, and mm-hmm. they'll bring in the top writers to L.A. or wherever and say, okay, we need to plan out 18 months of Batman mm-hmm. Superman. Or how, how are these characters going to weave? How are these books going to weave into each other? Okay, now that we have the idea, this is our event. Okay, so what spinoffs do we have? Who wants to take these books? And you start kind of handing out um, assignments to people um planning out your your publishing schedule it has to be done that way it's mm. it's it's corporate it's boring but i mean i guess it's exciting to some people but it's just it's how the sausage is made yeah you know yeah um if you can get some you know beautiful creativity and some amazing stories out of it great you know we hope the artists and writers can find those moments but the other thing with that too is a lot of it changes like sometimes yeah. someone will be pushed off a book sooner than later or you want to use uh i don't know uh, Catwoman and oh you can't Catwoman's being right. used in this book so you can't have her in two titles at the same time because it'll you know it won't line up mm-hmm. that kind of thing like just the spreadsheet in my brain of how it, I, I, I'm not that guy yeah you know? yeah I, I agree not that you're not that guy I agree that yeah. I'm not that guy either <laughs> yeah it's not something that interests me you know yeah yeah it's like planning out a game of Axis and Allies and I, I suppose I could but like shutting I just, that I just all don't down. want to read the rule book it's going to take me just as long <laughs> yeah. to read the rule book as it is to play the game well, that's the nice thing about writing Batman and having you to help is uh, you know more about it than I do. And I can be like, instead of going and researching, I can just be like, Clay, how about this? You're like, well, that's interesting because this, or that won't work because of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that saves me a lot of effort from going to the library. <laughs> and we're like, awesome. So there's a thing where... Um, case I, I'm, just seeing, I'm just seeing you... you, you I'm getting a text from you with this question, and I consult my stacks, and I'm going through all of my books and looking stuff up online. Is that and what trying you to do? Fig- no, but, uh, <laughs> looking stuff online, trying to figure an answer, and then I finally text it back to you, and you get the message, and you're like sitting on your couch, half half awake, be like, <laughs> "Thanks, man." <laughs> Wait, what did I ask you? Yeah, oh, I guess that works. Thanks. Yoink. Good. Now I don't have to put pants on. <laughs> No, there was um. So I have Azrael in the next one, and obviously Azrael's an antihero. Obviously, he and Batman are going going to fight at some point. That's mm. not a spoiler. And you said, well, what's really cool is in in Nightfall, um, Batman forces Azrael to chase him through narrow passageways yeah. to force Azrael to take his bulky costume off. Yeah. In order to get Batman, so mm-hmm. you, you said it would be a cool thing if you could sort of repeat that thinking. So. 
Azrael is maybe as bad or some suit he's wearing and Batman needs to get him to take shed things or whatever reason. And I never would have come to that on my own, but the suggestion that you made uh, is super helpful. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but there's a lot of little tidbits like that where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good, quick, easy Easter egg. I think readers will really like it. Like My thinking is if Clay's happy, then I have a thousand readers are probably going to agree. So Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if he does that, I'll sign those pages of the book. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't get to take credit for it. You're not Daniel no, O'Neill who wrote it. No, no, I don't get to take credit for it. <laughs> uh, I don't get to be given credit for it either. Hey, man, don't be my Bill Finger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, we're, we'll be back next time with... Uh, we got another two-parter coming up, so we're going to jump around a little bit. So we're going to do The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. Mm. And if you're so smart... Why aren't you rich? That also reminded me of something I forgot to mention in the Ninja episode. Yep. Is uh, the uh, the Ninja guy refers to Bruce Wayne as Rich Man's son. Oh, yeah. Which has to be like a play on words, right? Where it's Rich Man's son, like the Japanese thing, but also Rich Man's son. No. No? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. It just... That's what he is. Yeah, but I, I think the point of that character was he was challenging by saying that Bruce was a, uh, not as qualified as him yeah because he's a spoiled kid and meanwhile coyote has always been had a hard life and sort of like throwing everything you can at bruce but is it a play on words i guess you could look at it that way i'm thinking from the writer perspective not necessarily yeah. a character saying Spence, son yeah. son okay i don't know who knows anyway it's, i never a, thought it's, about that it's, it's fun anyway <laughs> uh yeah so that's gonna do it uh if you like this please um Give us a rating on iTunes or uh, tell your friends about the show. Yeah, or uh, tweet at us and uh, Clay might respond. Yeah. Because you run our badass I do. Twitter account. The Twitter is at Badass Podcast. That's B-A-T-T-A-S-S Podcast. If you have any questions uh, or does comments. The, does the Badass Podcast follow anybody like Justin Bieber? Yes. <laughs> not him specific. I mean, we can do that if you want. We should just follow animated is, series people. Uh, I think it follows me... It, it just follows Kevin Conroy. Not you. What? <laughs> no, it's, it, me, you, uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the thing. I just did the thing where I, a bunch of people popped up. and I th- But yeah, it follows Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy oh, okay, and, and a bunch of those guys. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's on Twitter. And if you have a question, you want to email us uh, at uh, bat, batasspodcast at gmail.com. You can do that. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. All Thanks, right. guys. Thanks, gang. I think we're dying, bro.